So there's a documentary on YouTube that now has over 10 million views, and it claims to lift the mask on how the mainstream media, Hollywood, and government all work together to manipulate and control the masses through spreading propaganda throughout their content. Its makers claim their goal is to wake up the general public by shedding light on how we all have been lied to and brainwashed by a hidden enemy with a sinister agenda. What if there really is a deep state that works to nefariously control and brainwash the general public? Can we ever really trust the media? How about our government? How are Christians to be subject to the governing authorities like scripture tells us to do if our authorities might be inherently evil? Ah, just a little lighthearted discussion about politics and religion. What could go wrong? Welcome, everyone, to the Beards and Bible podcast. I'm joined, as always, by my good buddy, Gabe, here at the state-of-the-art Beards and Bible studio, surrounded by our team of crack researchers and our high-tech equipment. Mm. Actually, that's, that's, that's not true at all. We're both in our homes, and I'm not even sure if Gabe's wearing pants right now. So, I hope you are, Gabe. Are you, are you wearing pants for this? So what are we talking about tonight, Josh? <laughs> well, hey, listen. So there was a uh, YouTube clip of a journalist who was reporting from his house remotely. And I don't know if you saw this or not. And he had on a suit and tie, but he wasn't wearing pants. And he thought that the shot was going to record him, I guess, just showing his suit and tie. And it didn't. It showed that he wasn't wearing pants. And he said that he was just wearing shorts, but it didn't look like shorts. But hmm. uh, so that leads into the fact that you can't always trust the media, Gabe. Yes, that is you like how I did that. That's a very good segue. Very good. <laughs> but you are wearing pants. I hope I can't see because I just see you from the waist up on our little. I'm actually wearing. I'm in Alabama, so I'm actually wearing cut-off jean shorts. Mm. Is, um, yes, how appropriate. Standard wow. issue Alabamian garb. Roll Tide. Yeah. Uh, so we have received. Um, Quite a bit of feedback from that last episode we did. I guess you just throw the word psychedelics in a uh, episode; it turns into clickbait. So um, it's a good way to get subscribers. I mean, that's if you're looking if you're a new podcast looking for subscribers, you do something on psychedelics, and it's like you're you're yeah yeah. It's been really cool though, just to hear some of the feedback. Um, I've gotten a lot of messages from from folks that uh, are new listeners and and sent in basically um, thanking us for tackling that uh, topic. Um, heard some pretty cool testimonies of people that were drug users that um, came to faith in Christ and uh, were able to kind of speak to that issue in a, in a fresh way. So that's really cool. So appreciate you guys listening to that last episode. And um, as always, man, we, we love uh, feedback. We love people um, sending in messages. So you can get a hold of us on the Facebook page or send us an email at beardsandbiblepodcast at gmail.com. Um, got some new listeners too. So we got some new listeners from Canada from Australia, the land down under, hmm. and uh, from the UK, from Germany, from Brazil, and uh, one from Mississippi. Oh, wow. Is that, that's not Belgium, is it? That's, well, no, not Bulgaria. I, I guess Bulgaria, we still have Bulgaria. a listener. Yeah. 
okay. I, I don't know if we offended our listener from Bulgaria last time, but we have someone from Mississippi tuning in. So okay. I really hope we didn't offend them by talking about Mississippi gas stations and boiled peanuts in Bulgaria, Mississippi. And no, man. I think there's nothing to be ashamed of with that. And no. I, I think I think um, a good tradition is when you read off these countries where people are tuning in from. I think it probably would be important that you use the accent that is utilized in those various countries <laughs> as you're saying those countries' names. Well, that's a good way to get all of our listeners to absolutely hate us. Yeah. Um, as we completely mock them and um, just I do the worst stereotypical accent. But Gabe, I think you know me well enough to know that I really love accents. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really love, yeah. So I think I could probably try to do that for all of those, but that might come across as horribly offensive. I don't think I want to do that. Yeah, so. let's let's not do that. But yeah. no, I, I think that's amazing that we're being heard from uh, those various parts of the world. And hello to you. This is uh, from Southern Alabama. That's it's really cool that people are listening to us from from Australia and Bulgaria, and Canada. Yeah. I just, I just got to say it. Hey, dear. Is that better? Is that Canadian? <laughs> hey, oh, I love, I love you guys in Canada. Never been there. It's too cold for my taste. But anyway, thank you guys for tuning in. And speaking of clickbait, if the last episode wasn't fringy and weird and clickbaity enough, holy cow, what about this topic? Out of the shadows or out of shadows. There's no the, just out of shadows. Gabe, when did you watch this YouTube documentary? Um, I finished watching it yesterday. Um, you know, I, I, I kind of broke it into sections, but then I went back and I watched like the last half of it yesterday. And um, so it's all fresh on my mind. I'm still I'm still kind of in that uh, post documentary hangover funk, you know, where you like watch mm-hmm. something that's really powerful and really enlightening. Um, sure. And you don't ever want to eat cheeseburgers or or own a smartphone kind of thing. You know, you're like, <laughs> you, know, if you watch Food Inc., you know, and you're like, oh, yeah, I, will go to every, I will burn every McDonald's down, you know, and like, yes. And then, you know, you go get it like a Big Mac three days later. Right. But, you know, I'm still so I'm in that I'm in that like I I just watch this documentary. It's very fresh on my mind, very fresh on my conscience. And it's um, it's shocking. I mean, it's like, sure. oh, gosh. Are you still processing information, trying to figure out kind of what to do with the, what, you know, how do you decipher it? How do you move forward with it? All that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I think it's a conversation I really want to sit down and have with my family and with other leaders at our congregation is, you know, uh, watch this documentary and let's figure out how do we, how do we apply this practically speaking in our families and how do we, how do we steer our families in this direction and away from some of this stuff that's out there, some of this darkness that's out there and how do we become um, how do we shield and, and insulate our children from this stuff? Sure. Um, and it, is that wise to do? First of all, I mean, like, do we do we completely insulate them from it? Um, yeah. And if so, what does that look like on a practical level? So I, I hope I continue that conversation and those thoughts with at sure. least my family. Sure. Well, and, and speaking of which, I'm hope, hoping that we can kind of shed some light on that tonight and um, hash some of that stuff out during our time together. So if you've not seen it, the documentary is called Out of Shadows. Um, it came out on YouTube I guess a couple of weeks ago and um, people are claiming that YouTube keeps pulling it down because it is, I guess, calling out high profile people and then people keep putting it back up after YouTube pulls it down. Whether or not that's true, I don't really know. But um, one of the reasons it makes it so uh, controversial, I guess, and kind of hard hitting, it, it, it claims to be an expose um, basically on how Hollywood and the mainstream media manipulate uh, the masses um, by spreading propaganda throughout their content. 
Um, so it, it really goes after not just Hollywood. It, it really talks about kind of ties between Hollywood, between the government, um, between kind of high profile people that can essentially um, cover up corruption through using wealth, through using celebrities, through kind of using this um, – the, the basically the, the the industry itself people can kind of cover up corruption in that and it and it it brings up some really good points to really think through um you know what influences us as americans and really what influences us as westerners not just americans because hollywood has a international uh reach as well so mm-hmm. the uh the the guy that really kind of I guess host and and you you meet at the beginning of the documentary. He is a former stuntman and a actor. His name is Mike Smith, which <clears throat> I don't know what you think, Gabe, but that kind of sounds like a made up name to me. Do you think that's his real name? I have no idea. <laughs> but as soon as you said it, I thought that's a fake name. But I I, yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. It could be. I, I, yeah. Maybe we've been watching too many conspiracy theory documentaries. We're like, oh, Here, I'm trying. I'm trying to say this this phrase more often these days. I don't have enough information to formulate an opinion on that topic. What? You're not allowed to say that if you're on Facebook. <laughs> My goodness. Yeah, you have every right to be as loud and proud about anything you want, whether or not you know what you're talking about. So anyway, this guy who may or may not be named Mike Smith uh, explains how he first became aware of conspiracy theories um, in Hollywood. So basically his story was he was a A-list stunt man who worked on all these big blockbuster films and he had an injury and he met a physical therapist and she began to share her faith with him by lieu of uh she was kind of sharing with him some of the darkness that she had encountered um just in hollywood and some of the things that she'd seen kind of the the seedy underbelly of hollywood if you will yeah and so he kind of states that that started him on this journey of trying to figure out Okay, what exactly is this darkness that she's talking about? And really what he kind of begins to allude to is that he found out that there are actually a lot of, um, there's a lot of ties in Hollywood uh, to Washington and to the government and to kind of high profile people. And a lot of that involves human trafficking um, child sex rings and uh, the occult and specifically Satanism. And um, I think the first time it kind of says that you're, you're watching it and you're going like, what? I don't, mm-hmm. Is that how you felt when you kind of heard him say things like that? I mean, it just kind of felt yeah, you know, I, a little I, bizarre. I've heard some things like that prior to watching this documentary. And, you know, I even had some of my high school students come up to me and say, Hey, Mr. Relich, have you heard anything about, you know, um, some of these celebrities selling their soul to the devil to get famous? And I was like, uh, you know, I wouldn't doubt it, but I, you know, I grew up in that era of like, you know, acid rock and grunge rock and stuff. And, you know, they did all kinds of crazy things probably, um, you know, but not on this level, like this was kind of new to me to know that this is like a mainstream thing with all these, um, what do they call it? Like spirit cooking rituals and stuff going on. Yeah, that's like so bizarre. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So he talks about that, and he talks basically about the connection between, you know, the seedy underbelly of Hollywood that's connected with Washington, and then he starts talking about the history of the CIA, specifically with a project known as MK Ultra, where mm-hmm. the CIA studied mind control, brainwashing, and the use of media to spread propaganda 
And th- this is actually a real thing. I mean, you, this isn't a conspiracy that you can look up MK Ultra and kind of read a little bit about it. It's where um, the CIA, uh, interestingly enough, experimented with psychedelics and experimented with acid to try to figure out kind of its long-term effects on people. And if it could be used as a weapon of warfare, um, psychologically speaking. And talks about that one of the discoveries that MK Ultra really made was that they could have an influence on people through the use of media in a way that was extremely powerful. And this isn't really surprising to anyone. I mean, you could go back and you can watch films that were being made in the days of World War II and even after World War II and kind of see how... Hollywood had this way of glamorizing our soldiers and, you know, we were the good guys and everybody else wasn't and kind of understand, Hey, there probably was some governmental influence on Hollywood back in those days. Um, oh, yeah. Well, I think he, one of the things he went through was talking about how a lot of these broadcasting agencies and these networks were originally established by the federal government for military purposes. And so it was just natural that some of these broadcasting companies were then as they became as they privatized they were taken over by former intelligence officers from you know the CIA or the army or whatever and uh you know so th- so it's it, it was a an almost like an organization of the department of defense that morphed into a private institution a private entity that was then right. run by these these guys who were used to doing these psyops kind of operations and stuff so right. that was that was really fascinating i didn't realize that yeah, I didn't either. I thought that was very interesting to kind of see the connection there. So, so then kind of with that in as the as the I guess the bedrock of you know you know number one there is a seedy underbelly of um, Hollywood of Washington of kind of these power brokers. Number two, the CIA had spent a tremendous amount of time studying the use of media to kind of spread propaganda, and then number three, exploring the connection between the government and Hollywood. And if you really start researching that, just like Gabe, you were saying, I mean, there's, there's a lot of connections there. He then starts to talk about, you know, is it possible that Hollywood is being controlled by powers that be, if you will, a, a deep state, right? To use that overused term to brainwash the masses um, with this kind of darkness, uh, a very unique and sinister darkness that is, um, at times very pointed and times has a very direct message. And so he talked about the influence that we see in Hollywood. There's been like a, a rise in the interest of movies on the occult and demonic possession, which I think mm-hmm. that's very interesting to note. Uh, there's been a, a rise in popular music of occultic imagery. Um, he mentioned uh, Katy Perry and how um I didn't realize this. She started out as a Christian singer. Did you know that? Yeah, yeah. I think I think I didn't realize that. And That's then yeah, crazy. he talks about he talks about her evolution and kind of progress into the secular world. And and yeah, some of the some of the videos are just bizarre. Which I I've been completely removed from all that. But you know, yeah, it's like he's showing clips and stuff. And I'm like, I want to go watch some of these videos and just oh, it's so strange. Um, and, yeah, so, and so and very sad to see to see her go from that that level so. of purity to. Um, willing to do these bizarre videos that are absolutely filled of all kinds of weird symbols that I, I don't understand the meaning of half of them, but I'm sure there's all yeah. kinds of deep stuff there. Yeah. And so he talks about, uh, it was Katy Perry, it was Beyonce, it was Lady Gaga and a couple of others. And it's kind of interesting. Some of the, 
they're, they're basically shared imagery and shared symbolism in all of their music videos and their performances and their costumes and their artwork. And they're all occultic symbols and occultic imagery. Mm-hmm. And, and he's basically talking about, you know, why is it that when these people start embracing kind of this occultic imagery and these occultic symbols that all of a sudden their careers skyrocket to a level that's just unheard of. I mean, they just turn in basically these, these super celebrities on a whole completely different level. And then he kind of goes into, I think the last major section of the documentary. And that is about kind of the CD underbelly of some high profile political leaders. And so he, he talks about, um, Harvey Weinstein. And of course, you know, that's been in the news right now. Of course he had, uh, those p- people that aren't familiar with that case, he was kind of the one that was, uh, I guess the, the major, the, the major case in the, uh, me too movement, Harvey Weinstein being the, the high profile Hollywood executive that, um, basically for years, this dude had this reputation in Hollywood of being a sexual predator and everybody covered it up. Mm. I mean, for years to the point where because he was so wealthy, because he was so powerful, because he was so well-known, because he had donated tremendous amounts of money to high-profile political figures, including the the Clinton administration and uh, the Clinton campaign in 2016, he was basically being protected. And uh, when it broke, um, and the guy named Ronan Ronan Farrow, I think that's how you say his name, when, when that story broke, it kind of opened the floodgates for people like Jeffrey Epstein. Mm-hmm. And then there was another, uh, there was another thing he brought up called Pizzagate, which, uh, that's just, that's just flat out bizarre. That's the first time I'd really kind of heard about that. Have you heard about that before Pizzagate? I, I knew very little about it. I, I you know, um, yeah. it, it was mentioned a couple of times and I didn't really fully understand what the pizza thing was all about. And then when I watched the documentary, I, I was like, I was like, man, I got to research this some more. So I kind of went on this like, um, you know, tangent of like researching the different things. And and yeah, I was like, wow, this is, I had no knowledge of it. And none of this would have been possible to know had it not been right. for WikiLeaks, like dumping all this information. Sure. And it's yeah. like, whoa. And it reminded me of the verse about like nothing done in secret w- will not come to light. You know, like this idea of like oh, your sins will find you out. And I was like, wow, that is, yeah. you gotta, you gotta do, you gotta be everything be on the up and up, you know, and especially when you're in ministry sure. or any form of leadership, it's, really important yeah so the whole pizzagate thing um basically was there was a um political figure named john podesta he was the chief of staff for uh the clinton presidency and then he was special counselor to barack obama and wikileaks hacked his email and basically found emails that contained coded messages and what many people believe is that the coded messages in this email connect political figures with human trafficking and a child sex ring. And the reason it's called Pizzagate is because it was all centered around a pizza parlor, basically. And and so, yeah, I mean, just wild stuff. I, I think, just to be honest, um, man, a lot of this stuff, like I'm hearing it and it's it's shocking and it's crazy, but then, you know, connections are being shown and I'm going, okay, that makes sense. But some of the things that it brought up, it had kind of this tendency of bringing things up and not really giving any tangible mm-hmm. proof or answers. Yeah. I don't yeah. know if you noticed that or not. 
Yeah, there was there would be some claims that would be made, and I'd be like, okay, well, let's because you have to slow down, and and um, I think that's that's a struggle, that's a tension that documentary and filmmakers have to kind of deal with is when you make a truth claim, how do you back that information up, and how do you prove that information? So yeah, there was yeah. about you know there's about thirty or forty percent of the things things in there like the claims of truth, and there was one link I thought was really really kind of was poor. Um, they were talking about the Gulf of Tolkien incident, which got us involved in, in the yes. Vietnam conflict. I remember that. And yeah. then uh, who was it? The musician. They were saying that so-and-so was involved in the Gulf of Tonkin. His son was um, one of the, the founders of a, of a rock band in the, in the 60s or 70s. Oh. And so therefore- was it Jim Morrison? From yeah, the Jim Mor- yeah, Jim yeah, Morrison. Yeah, Jim Morrison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. And I felt like, oh, that was kind of a really loose connection. Like that kind of discredited <laughs> the whole thrust of the documentary. Yeah, what, does that, what does that have to do with the music of The Doors? They're like, so we all know that that song by The Doors, Light My Fire, is really- about them exploding the boat in the Gulf of Tonka. Ha! Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but I think I think the documentary ultimately <laughs> the biggest failure of the documentary um, was the lack of uh, just leaving us with hope, uh, leaving us with like here's yes. a solution, um, yes. here's a like, practical. What do we do about it? Like, yeah, right. I mean, so like all these, like let's just say that everything that they said in this documentary was true, right? Okay, so what does that mean for us? What do we do with it, right? Mm-hmm. And and I think that's that's where you and I both are as pastors, as fathers, as husbands, as uh, men who are trying to to follow after Christ. You know, okay, so what does that mean? Is there is it plausible that the government has worked with Hollywood and with media over the years to push a certain message? And if that's the case, what is that message? What motivates that message? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and do, do we really buy the idea that there is some sort of a, a cultic influencing behind popular music and movies? I mean, what are your, what are your thoughts on that? I would say absolutely. There's a possibility for it. And fortunately, um, I'm, I'm kind of disengaged from a lot of it. So it doesn't really hold a lot of like sway or power over me, but I think, um, the real the real concern of mine is is ra- how to raise children and how to raise like their children when that time comes in this world that seems to be growing ever darker in this culture one of the things i always tell my kids and i hope this is okay to say to them <laughs> is one of the <laughs> Everybody one of the, will just judge you if it's not so there you go. i'm sure yeah yeah that was yeah. me an email but one of the big one of the greatest blessings i can ever give my kids is raising them in the united states of america one of the greatest mm. cursings I can ever give my kids is raising them in the United States of America. Uh, and what absolutely. Do, what do I mean by that? Because I think I need to explain is um, United States of America is in terms of personal liberties and religious freedoms has, has experienced an unprecedented um, time in human history and in, in this human experience. Like we haven't there in terms of security, safety and religious freedoms and personal liberties. America is the place but in terms of comfortability and complacency and lukewarmness and apathy, America is the place, you know? Right, right, and, right, and right, that's, right. That's, that's what I mean by that. But, and also I think, you know, I'm going to go a little bit tangent here, but, you know, it's like as, as kids growing up, um, especially in like an evangelical community in a context, um, we kind of get this idea that 
in, in this kind of, this is, this is some, I held this belief for a little while too, when I was really engaged in, in political science and things like that. Um, you know, the book, uh, Ronald Reagan wrote about United States of America, the last best hope, I think is the yeah. title of the book. And what does he mean is like America is the, and he describes America, United States of America as being the city, the shining city on a hill, which is this, this very biblical language that he's using, that he's borrowing from the words of the prophets to, that would be used to describe the city of Jerusalem during the kingdom of God, during the king, the, the kingdom era here on earth. So it's like he's using this language as a way of describing the United States of America. And for good or for bad, you know, but I think what we what we tend to do is we say, oh, wow, you know, and we, we begin to take a lot of pride in our nation, which is not a bad thing to do either. I think it's important to be proud of the, the nation, where, especially if you live in a great nation. Sure. But you this may come as a shock, but United States of America is not the kingdom of God, is not the kingdom of heaven. Amen. It is not the promised land. Amen. And we have to detach ourselves from that notion and allow ourselves to come to terms with and possibly face the reality that the United States of America is corruptible, is on a trajectory of that all all man-made governments have been on since the foundation of governments, really since the first government we ever really saw come on the scene is Babylon. But it, all trajectories of man-made and man-governed um, governments go to a state of tyranny. They de decay to a state of tyranny. Sure. And that saddens me so much. I mean, I, I don't want that to happen to the United States of America because I love our country and I, I signed up and put on a uniform to defend our country. And I, I, so I don't want to sound like unpatriotic or un-American or whatever the case may be, but I think it's important that we, we open ourselves up to the reality that, yeah, you know, the, the government is capable. It's a, it's a secular, um, you know, it's, it's not, it's not the kingdom of God and right. we, we can, it, yeah, it was founded on Christian values and, and Judeo-Christian principles and, you know, and, and that's, that's good. It's important. Um, but this is the same government that, you know, did some, gosh, some horrible things to the people yeah, who were so, in this nation before us. Yeah. And I, I think you bring up a really good point. I, I think that previous generations maybe oversimplified and painted this picture of good guys versus bad guys. And mm -hmm. in every single interaction, we, we've always been the most noble and the best. And, and don't get me wrong. I, I don't ever want to I don't ever want us to forget the good things that we as a nation have done because I've, I've traveled and lived in places um, where I've seen corruption on a completely different level. I mean, when people start talking about, man, the U.S. is so corrupt, I'm like, yeah, we are. But have you ever been to like East Africa? <laughs> you, ever, you ever stood over the place where Idi Amin had his mass graves and he would take people out of the city of Kampala and murder them uh, during his reign of terror? Like there's a difference between the corruption that we're experiencing and we're seeing and corruption that's been seen in, you know, dictatorships and uh, right. So, I mean, I, I, you and I are both kind of on the same page with that. I mean, like, yes, there's corruption. We've not always been the good guys because we are, uh, we are governed by human beings and the Bible mm -hmm. says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so it doesn't matter if there is if there is a big R and an elephant in front of someone's name, mm -hmm. right? To to pick on kind of evangelical Christianity's uh, favorite persuasion of who we see as the good guys politically most of the time, mm -hmm. doesn't matter. That person's a sinner and needed the grace of 
God and in need of the redemption of Jesus Christ. And because they're a sinner, they're capable of being corrupted mm-hmm. and doing corrupt things. It doesn't matter if there's a, a, a D and a donkey in front of their name or an R and elephant in front of their name. It doesn't matter. We were all sinners. We're all broken. And if our trust and our hope is in man-made governments to save us and to redeem us, we're going to be let down. And we're also going to be surprised when we learn the truth that, yeah, man-made governments are corrupt. They always have been. They probably always will be until Christ returns to set all things right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think we're, we're totally in agreement on that. Um, but yeah, absolutely. I think, I think our government is capable of some dark things. You know, I've, I've known people who are high up in the military, you know, that, that would agree with me on that, that unfortunately we have, we have some blood on our hands and, um, but I think, I think repentance is open for, for anybody in that, in that respect. I mean, this is a government, gosh, who had to come out and apologize for experimenting on Guatemalans in the 1940s with injecting them with gonorrhea, you know, and it's like, of course, sure. it's not beyond them to do things, you know, like that are, yeah. are corrupt and evil, of course. Well, this is things we know about. Yeah, and MK Ultra. I mean, like you study that, like the CIA is a government institution, right? And that was funded by taxpayer dollars. And, mm-hmm. you know, most of the psychological warfare experimentation that they're doing with MK Ultra involved basically people that the government thought, well, nobody's going to miss them. And so they'd go in and pick up prostitutes at dockside bars outside of military bases, and they would basically do human experimentation on prostitutes. Mm-hmm. I mean, just, just kind of this sick, twisted, cruel experimentation. And then we were basically telling the American public through media that, no, 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 that's the Nazis that did all that. We... Americans, we, we would never do a thing like that. And the reality is we were, <laughs> we were doing that stuff. Um, yeah, but at the same time, I think it's important to recognize right now that this is going to be published and put on the internet. So at the same time, we have to give our government and our nation a lot of credit. The fact that we're talking, we're basically trash talking the sins of the sins of the past of our, of our, of our <laughs> yeah, government. And like, we don't, we do have freedom of speech. Yeah. So I want to make sure that I give us a lot of credit. I give our government a lot of credit that we have that freedom of of speech. Now I will, I will admit that it, it will be waning away in our lifetime as it is now. I mean, the fact that this film may have been deleted off of YouTube, um, is bizarre. The fact that these guys, these doctors talking about how to proceed with coronavirus. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, that got removed. I'm like, man, this is so what? What are we, wait, what, wait, wait. So are you saying that our podcast is going to get removed if we don't start showing some love to the U.S. government? Is that why you I don't said know. what you did? I don't know. It's- <laughs> did we say MKUltra was bad? What we mean is that was the greatest experiment that ever yes. has been conducted. Yes. And we're yes. proud of our government for doing that. Yeah. But I think coming off of our last episode talking about psychedelics, the, the kind of the overarching theme of psychedelics was be sober minded. You need yes. to be watchful. You need to be alert. You need to be discerning and psychedelics inhibit your ability to be all those things. But so you're, you're sober minded. You're looking at the nation of the United States of America as a, as a wonderful place, but you're also saying, this is not my permanent home. Um, this is, this is a holding pattern for me while I live in this flesh, but ultimately I long for the coming of the kingdom. May it be soon and in my days. And that's that's a yeah. prayer we should be praying. And until Absolutely. then, I, I might have to bounce around, you know, and figure out what country is the safest for me in order to walk out my faith in a biblical way and the way that I see is, is right for me and my family. 
And yeah. right now, for me, that's the United States of America. Absolutely. No, we're on the same page. And I, I hope everybody listening to this knows that like both Gabe and I are patriots, I think in, in the in the sense that we mean we are uh, happy and we feel blessed to live in the United States of America. And, you know, being a citizen uh, is something that I, I take very serious. And Gabe, I would think that you do as well, just from you know, the history of your life, being a, a veteran and doing the things that, that you've done throughout your life as well. So, um, so that's not what we're saying. We're not saying it's wrong to be patriotic or have some sort of sense of, you know, that you're blessed to live in the country that you're in. It's just, we have to be very, very careful about worshiping the nation that we live in and somehow creating this picture that somehow because we're America, we can do no wrong. Is mm -hmm. that right? So right, right yeah absolutely okay. yeah or or a president depending on you know their name the the letter behind their name um Ooh, they can, they can do no there. wrong yeah oh, but i mean there oh careful <laughs> mm, careful well i i like i like daniel chapter two and here's a here's a a jew who's taken captive by the babylonians and he's brought into exile in this place that's completely foreign to him i would imagine he's never been there before and he gets summoned by the king of the vehicle of God's righteous punishment on the people of Israel. He gets he gets summoned by Nebuchadnezzar to go before Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar is having these bizarre dreams. And no one can interpret these dreams for him. And he wants to have these sorcerers put to death and everything else. And finally, he calls this simple Jew from a faraway land that worshiped a different God. And he says, call him in here. I want to see if he can interpret my dreams. And what's fascinating about this is Daniel successfully interprets the dreams. Now, Daniel could say, okay, I interpreted your dreams. Um, here's, here's the dream. Here's what it means. Let's, let's rebuild this nation. Like, you know, I can, we can do things with this nation that can make it great. You know, we, you know, we can, we can do things with this nation that, um, you know, can make, make Avalon great again. Is that what you're going to say? Yeah, that can embody the, that can, <laughs> I'm going to keep going. That can embody <laughs> the Bible, you know, and we can, we can refound this nation on biblical principles, but Daniel doesn't say that. First of all, what's interesting to me is that Daniel was willing to go in and interpret this dream for this King. Um, he, he was willing to do that. He accepted the challenge and, um, and he goes and he does it. So, and he's truthful about the interpretation of the dream. In other words, he does not just like, kind of just buttering this king up. He's truthful about it. And he gives him a kind of a hard truth when he's talking about this statue with these different layers and these different layers are like different, you know, like, like different kingdoms that are going to come. And, um, what's fascinating about it is, is, um, Daniel actually uses an opportunity to share about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to the king of Babylon who is the vehicle of God's righteous punishment on the people of Israel and their disobedience, the, the, the agent of exile. Um, but what's fascinating about Daniel chapter two is there's this rock that comes in and strikes the statue and makes them all crumble and makes them all fall to the ground. And to, you know, most, most Bible commentators agree that that's the picture of Messiah that's going to come as a King and he will establish, um, his his kingdom revelation 19 talks about he will arbitrate between the nations he will rule with a rod of iron and he's like the rock that that causes so many to stumble but i think that's the picture i think we need to be like daniel to some extent as we are in this 
you know, we can call it a state of exile. I think, I think the early believers would have looked at themselves in a state of exile, waiting for the kingdom that is yet to be realized on earth. You know, it's not so much an exile geographically. It is, is part, partly that as well, but also spiritually we're, we're isolated. We're exiled from the presence of God, but also, um, we need to be like Daniel in the sense that we need to be willing to operate, um, on a certain level in the places that he plants us and interact, not be afraid to interact with the rulers that are there and over us and be willing to, um, you know, interpret dreams or whatever the case may be, whatever opportunities are presented, but also be truthful in that and use it as an opportunity to praise the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And and I think what's interesting too about the story of Daniel is Daniel was in Babylon he was interacting with the rulers of Babylon and the culture of Babylon, but there were still some things that the Hebrew children refused to do in Babylon. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They refused to eat the diet that the other Babylonian young men were eating, and they refused to bow down to the image that they were being told to worship. Now, what an incredible picture of us as exiles in America. Mm. Right. We've got to be careful what we consume. We've got to be careful the diet that we consume. Yeah. Everybody else around us may be watching anything that gets put out by Hollywood or listening to anything that's put out in the media. But we've got to be careful. We've got to be careful that we aren't just consuming it mindlessly because we need to understand that what it is we take in, what it is we consume, that's going to have an impact on our health spiritually. It's going to have an impact on everything about us. And not only that, we don't worship the same things that our culture tells us to worship. We don't worship the God of fame. We don't worship the God of entertainment. We don't worship the God of comfort and convenience and all of those things. And it seems like as Americans, that tends to be our, our default idol. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that goes back to the idea of America being one of the greatest cursings. I can raise my kids up in the United States of America because they don't know what it's like to be hungry. I don't know that they've ever mm. gone an entire day without skipping a meal, you know, and, right. and, you know, you, you've been to places like I've been to places where you see, you see poverty, you see hunger. And, you know, we have to, in the United States of America, we have to um, force hunger on ourselves through prayer and fasting to really remember what, it, what it's like to be hungry. So, it, you know, and I think God gave us this sense of hunger to teach us about spiritual aspects and, and, and teach us about kingdom aspects that we should be hungering and thirsting for his righteousness and his kingdom. Um, and when we don't experience that hunger, guess what? That's going to relay into the spiritual realm. We're not going to hunger for the things of his kingdom. We're not going to hunger for his word, for his truth, for his presence. And, um, you know, we, it leaves us, you know, when we are filled and Deuteronomy talks about this, when you go into the land and you eat your, you share and you feel your stomachs are full, don't forget about me. And I think America is, is guilty that of that to, to a large extent that we've become so full, um, and so comfortable that we forget, um, we forget our, the, the most high God as, as, uh, as Nebuchadnezzar puts it. And as he goes on to praise the most high God, I think it's really interesting. Well, and, and so, so really to kind of tie up that section of our conversation, what we're saying is we can't be naive enough to believe that everything is so black and white, that there's the good guys and they wear the red, white, and blue, and there's the bad guys and they're everybody else. We have to understand that corruption and 
wickedness are uh, not exclusive to other nations that is involved in our own government. And maybe not everything is as black and white as we're being told that it is, right? So we can't be that naive to assume that everything is just black and white, cut and dry. It is whatever we're told it is, right? Am I making yeah. sense so far? Yeah. Okay. So the other side of that, though, is is there a point where we can go too far down the rabbit hole with conspiracy theories and think that literally everything is a conspiracy theory? So. You know, somebody says on the news, like, a storm is coming. We're like, no, that's fake news. There's no storm coming. I looked outside. There's no clouds in the sky. That meteorologist is lying to me. Fake news, right? I mean, can, can we get to that point where we go a little bit crazy? With, and, and here's why I say this, and I told you this before we got started. Um, this past week, man, every time I've been on social media, uh, and I've gotten a ton of emails and a ton of Facebook messages too. It seems like there is literally a new conspiracy theory every single day mm. about everything going on. Is there a point where we can go too far with thinking that everything is a conspiracy theory? Um, well, I, I like to point people back to one of the most precious commodities that we can give back to our creator. And that is this thing called time. And so I think there is... Yeah, absolutely. I think Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he loves one of the things that he can, the easiest thing for him to do is to steal from us. And one of the easiest things that he can steal from us is our time. And if he can do that by us sitting and watching sporting events nonstop, or if he can do that by us sitting and trying to solve all the world's problems and figuring out how jet fuel melted, whatever, or what <laughs> size, what what shape the earth is, or whatever the case may be. Um, mm, yeah, absolutely. Meanwhile, yeah. Meanwhile, our, our kids are, you know, being sedated by all kinds of electronics or whatever, whatever, you know, they're, they're not interacting with their, their parents and they're not being engaged with, they're not being taught the word of the God, word of God by their parents. I think absolutely we can go too far, but I think, so it, it kind of zoom out a little bit. What's the bigger conspiracy, <laughs> you know, is, is us searching for the shape of the true shape of the earth? Or us searching for who really committed, who really perpetrated 9-11, or us searching for this or that or that. Yeah, we can we can do that. But ultimately, the bigger conspiracy is um, question, you finding out all those answers, how does that draw you closer to God? And how does that draw your family right. closer to God? And then right. what are you doing with all that time? How do you get that time back that you spent trying right. to solve all those problems? Absolutely. Well, and as I understand it, the reason that we're here is to glorify God and enjoy him forever, right? That's mm -hmm. the Westminster Shorter Catechism. Uh, and we do that through following the commands and commissions of Jesus, and that's to make disciples of all nations. And we got to make sure that we are following and obeying the purpose and the reason for existing. And, and not that there's anything wrong with knowing these things, but like you're saying, the most valuable commodity we have is time. And if all of our time is spent researching things and studying things that may or may not be true. And then at the end, if, even if we do find the truth and we're, you know, well, at least I'm not a sheeple, right? I mean, and then what, right? Mm -hmm. you're, you're still not praying with your kids. You still haven't made yeah. a disciple. You still not told anybody about your faith. Your neighbor's still going to hell and you're okay with that. Yeah. But at least well, here, you know who did 9-11, right? According to whatever, <laughs> you know, website you were on. Well, like, like you said, our, our job is, is to sanctify God's name in this world. And, and to worship him and bring him glory, both give glory from ourselves, but also bring him glory through bringing other people closer to him. So if, 
if that's our job, okay, so I, I have yet to meet someone who knows the shape of the earth is flat or that, you know, 9-11 is this and that. And, you know, I, I'm yet to know someone who's gone down all of those rabbit holes and found all the answers, but they have a perfect marriage or they have right. a great relationship with their children and there's zero dysfunction there. Now, let me back up. I don't have a perfect marriage and I don't have a perfect relationship with my kids. So the last thing that I should be doing is spending all of my time searching out all the answers to all those different questions that don't mean diddly squat in the end of the game. Anyways, what I should be doing is, is working those relationships and building those relationships. But like you said, um, if I have any spare time apart from that, I should be investing that and discipling other people and walking with them and answering questions and, and calling them and praying for them. And, um, you know, it's, it's, we have to kind of disengage from that because we have to remember that our time is so limited. Our time is so precious. And we have to use that um, with a sense of urgency, I feel like, in, in expanding God's kingdom and sanctifying his name. So in other words, if if I figure out with 100% certainty that the earth is flat, but I have a very highly abusive or or just a very dysfunctional marriage and family, and my neighbors see that, what brings God more glory? What what is sanctifying his name more in this world? The fact that I figure out the true shape of the earth, you know, or or would they would they see and would they give God more glory? Would I be sanctifying his name more if they right. saw a cohesive family unit that yeah has its struggles, it's not perfect, but they love each other and they pray with each other and they sure. do acts of kindness and mercy to those around them. So what you're saying is the earth is flat. <laughs> is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> But oh, hey, you, yeah. you bring <laughs> we're gonna get emails from flat earthers now good job opening that can of worms yeah. gabriel uh oh, no that's a that's a great that's a great point and i think you bring up something that is very interesting you're, you're bringing up um flat earthers a lot of feel, feel like you probably are secretly one um but this for another <laughs> podcast another day uh there's a very interesting netflix documentary called beyond the curve about the flat earth movement i don't know if you've seen it or not no i haven't uh uh-uh. It's very interesting. Do yourself a favor and watch it. But one of the things that they bring up is the psychology behind people who adamantly hold on to the most bizarre conspiracy theories that are so easily disproven, and yet people continue to believe them. Hmm. So they talk about why is it that some people are just attracted to want to be so contrarian to, to where they want to believe that nothing is as we see it is and that everybody's brainwashed but them and and really it kind of it brings up this whole concept of there's a psychology behind it and and there's a couple of different articles about this that that are pretty interesting there's one from um the american or excuse me this i think this is written in the uk actually the association for psychological science that was written um by the school of psychology the university of kent in 2017, and it basically identified three key factors in why people believe in conspiracy theories. And and they are, number one, people believe in conspiracy theories because there's a need for understanding and consistency. So if something Mm -hmm. does not make sense, if something seems uh, confusing, or if the world seems dangerous and chaotic, there's some people that that really want just kind of a consistency to their 
understanding of how the world works. And so searching for an alternative explanation than the one that's being presented to them Mm -hmm. um, is a reason why they go searching for another theory to explain that which they find confusing. So that's the first, a need for understanding consistency. That's why some people are gravitated towards conspiracy theories. The second is a need for control. And so um, someone that is wanting control, basically they feel anxious and they don't feel like they have any control and they feel like if they maybe had an explanation for it could give them some sense of control and they couldn't feel so um, psychologically disempowered, if you will. Mm. And so this would be people who are kind of on the losing side of a political issue, um, people who've experienced social ostracism, people who are um, prejudiced against certain groups that they perceive as more powerful than themselves or they're disadvantaged. Uh, I found this really interesting. There's a connection between conspiracy beliefs and educational levels. So lower educational status tends to be associated with higher levels of conspiracy belief and having lower analytical abilities and less tolerance for uncertainty also plays a role. Hmm. Well, let and, me let me dovetail off of that because I think also sure. you you and I grew up in, a, in in the internet age. So you and I have probably both made websites, multiple websites. I don't know, you know, Are like you I, about I, my MySpace or my Zynga? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> were you, either you were like, one of my top five in my MySpace, weren't you? <laughs> I, I better have been one of your top five. Um. Oh gosh, that takes me back. So remember Tom? Um, Tom was the guy that he was oh, yeah. writing on the whiteboard. Turned oh, around. I, I actually don't remember. I I forgot about Tom, but I remember him now. So I feel like a horrible. What he's doing right now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Continue. Sorry. We both had but, websites. MySpace and Zanga. No, I mean, we've actually, we've created, you know, you can get on Wix and you can create a website really easy. And, you know, it's, it's simple to get on the internet, create a domain name and create a website. And it's really simple to start a podcast like we just did. You know, it's like, it's, it doesn't take, but that's because we grew up in this age. And so we were kind of immersed in that really since like high school age on, we kind of, that was like our norm, you know? And it wasn't like this, Ooh, like act of magic or anything like wonderful power, like this big budget backing us or anything like that. That's enabling us to get on the internet and sound semi-professional with what a small equipment we have. But for those, I feel like who didn't grow up in this internet age to them, that's more foreign so to see a website, to see someone with a, with, with a YouTube video with some sort of graphics around it and to make it look legit, to make it look like it has a I big budget, it, yeah. it's easier and easier to do that. And you could be, you can, you can crank out a lot of half true information or completely false information at a very low budget. But it seems, but it seems authoritative for someone that's not familiar with the process seems, of how yeah. information is created and contents put out online. And how simple it is. Yeah. And how, right. how cheap right. you can do it. So there's all, there's the internet is just flooded with information right now and you have to decipher through all that. Now you and I are kind of at an advantage because we grew up in the internet age. So we know automatically we should have a level of skepticism with, with, you know, different things or different articles or right. different websites, but someone who didn't, I mean, that's, that's gotta be a bigger challenge. Sure. Uh, well, so, yeah, that, that's a really good point. Um, and really the last reason, the, the last reason that psychologists state that people seem to be motivated to believe conspiracy theories is due to uh, social reasons. So a need to belong or a need to feel special 
And it mm. says this, those who believe in the conspiracy feel that they are the heroes of the story, while those who are conspiring against them are the enemy. And so it talks about how there's kind of this um, contrarian mm. mindset of just kind of, you know, wanting to be seen as the one that is not being controlled by the narratives mm -hmm. that the mainstream is controlling. Um, I'm looking right here. I'm going to try to decipher this into plain English. Scholars have suggested that conspiracy theories valorize the self and the in-group by allowing blame for negative outcomes to be attributed to others. Thus, they may help to uphold the image of self and the in-group as competent and moral, but is sabotaged by powerful and unscrupulous others. Mm. So, so basically it's for some people, and I'm not saying this is for everybody, but for people that seem to naturally gravitate towards everything's a conspiracy. You can't believe anything that you're told. We can practice some self-awareness and say that, that maybe, maybe there's something that's sort of motivating someone to want to, to be that way. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. so that they can feel special that they're the only ones that know the truth and other people don't. And if you yeah. watch this documentary about the flat earthers, you can kind of see that thing, mm. you know, really flesh itself out on a kind of ridiculous level. But yeah. And I think, I think conspiracy theories, you know, it, there, there are some people who maybe have, you know, I, I love a good conspiracy. Don't get me wrong, but immediately when you when you buy into something as being truth um you know your first thing is you you want to seek validation in other people and how do you get validation in other people is you convince them of that truth as well and so it creates this um uh i don't know this ripple effect of you trying to validate this newfound truth and it, and it might be true you know i'm not saying that it's not but you know it might be true so you're trying to validate that through other people agreeing with you um, and so one of the best ways we can do that right now is through social media. And yes. when we, when we look for validation on social media, it's really easy to find. And it is also really easy to shut people down who don't agree with us. So what we get is this algorithm fueled echo chamber that keeps us engaged in this social media platform. Meanwhile, that social media platform is popping ads up or whatever, and it's getting paid by companies and people who are paying yeah. advertisers. Absolutely. So it, it's essentially confirmation bias, which this article mm -hmm. mentions. And yeah. confirmation bias basically says, and I'll just read this, this is from one of the articles I pulled up about this, that um, people are naturally inclined to seek out information that confirms their existing beliefs. So when they run across a theory that supports something that they already think is true, they're more likely to believe the information is also true. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I don't want to, again, by, by doing this podcast and by saying these things, I don't, I don't want to diminish the importance of test. Like Paul says in first Thessalonians, test everything, but yes. hold on to what is good and stay away from everything that is evil. And I think, I think it's important that we do have, have critical thought and we study the word of God and we test what pastors, what teachers and evangelists say, you know, it's important that we do those things. And we are skeptical about what we see on the news. We make sure that we test it to truth, um, because there there is there there are people out there who are who would try and would gain a lot by fooling us. So it's important that we are always sober minded. I keep going back to that, but 
I, so I, those who are, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not using this microphone to say that you looking into truth and you searching out truth is a bad thing to do. I no, think it's important that we express critical thought. I, I think it's important to know though, once we, once we see that information, what do you do with it? Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- there mm-hmm. are some things that are highly interesting, but highly irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. I, like, man, it is super, super, super interesting to me for me to study up on, um, I don't know, study up on how Nolan Ryan threw his fastball. I, I love baseball and I'm really missing it right now. I mean, that's super interesting to me, right? That is highly interesting. I could read about that for hours, but you know, at the end of the day, that's highly irrelevant. Mm-hmm. And, and so I've got to use discernment and I got to use a tremendous amount of prayer and I got to use a tremendous amount of filtering the information that I receive with the priorities that are given to me through the lens of scripture and through the kingdom of God to understand, okay, what, what do I do about that? Mm. Mm. And, and, and really kind of to, to take it to a, to a different level, we've kind of already established that because the United States of America is a government that is run by people, there's corruption in it. But then we talked about how, hey, not everything's a conspiracy theory. Maybe some things are <laughs> just what they seem, whether we like it or not, right? But like it or not, the Bible tells us in Romans 13, 1 and 2, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. So if scripture tells us to do these things, how, how can we as Christians do this if we feel like the government is corrupt and wicked? And that could be a whole other podcast episode. And also thinking about who was the emperor of Rome as that letter is being written. Um, and that's none other than Nero. Uh, most scholars, most historians agree Nero was the emperor as Paul's writing this letter to believers in Rome. And he's telling them, he's telling them to obey the governing authorities over them. And meanwhile, there's this, the governing authority is a guy who's lighting up his outdoor parties with human tiki torches. And it's like, I mean, uh, that's just tip of the iceberg in terms of like the debaucheries oh, sure. guys delving into. But um, yeah, I mean, so, so if, if they could pull that off and if Paul could admonish them to do that, how much easier do we have it in this in in this nation living in the Bible Belt, you know, and and this Judeo Christian worldview that most of us um, have in the United States of America? I think we've got it relatively easy in terms of of submitting to authorities. Um, now, I will say that there, Paul, be, being a Christian in the first century under Nero was illegal. Um, you were an atheist; you didn't believe in the pantheon of God, so you are automatically a criminal. Um, so there, what I, what I mean by that is there's, there is automatically by reading Romans 13, there is automatically room for civil, civil disobedience and realizing that the word of God trumps the words of Nero, um, or the word of God trumps, trumps president Trump, but (laughs) there's a way of doing that. And there's a way there's protocols associated with that. I think when we are going to be civilly disobedient, when we look at analytically we say okay here's the laws of the land that i'm living in here's the laws of my creator i have to go with the laws of my creator in this in this scenario so there's a higher law there's the laws of god and the laws of god always come before the laws of man in terms of our allegiance 
Yes, absolutely, absolutely. But yeah. where the where it does not contradict the laws of God that we are told to follow with complete allegiance, we are to obey the laws of the land. We're to respect. We're to follow uh, the government that God has put over us. Yes, yeah, and I, I will say I just had this conversation with a guy sitting around a fire the other night, and um, you know, Patrick, I hope you're listening. But you know, he, we brought Romans 13 up, and he said that's why I've decided to start consciously start um, driving um, uh, according to the speed limit. And I was like, Good you know, job, I was, I, I, at first I, I, thought, I thought he was joking around, but I was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, like we should be people who are above reproach. We Absolutely. should not be doing, you know, 20 miles an hour over the speed limit. But so also if, if you're listening to this while you're driving to work and you're going over the speed limit, <laughs> slow stop down. it right now. Slow down. Yeah. In Jesus name. But he was saying that to say in a, in a broader sense, he's trying to be a good citizen and be above reproach so that when there are times where he does have to be civil dis- civilly disobedient, he can say, well, look, I'm a person of character and I'm sorry, I have to break this law that you're putting in front of me. I have to go with the laws of my creator, but I don't have a criminal record. You know, I'm not a right. danger to, to society. Um, you know, I think that's a, that's a really wise approach. It's a really sober minded approach that I think we should be taking. Absolutely. Well, and I think too, that there is, um, very rarely have I seen our government ask us to break. I mean, and maybe the days are coming when that's going to happen. That's going to be more prevalent. But as mm-hmm. far as what's happening now, I don't think that, um, you know, some of the laws that we say are a violation of our religious liberties are really a violation of our religious liberties. So the big thing now is we can't have big church services in person. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, 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 st- the state is not saying you can't meet together with your family and pray and study God's word, or you can't meet together in homes and pray and study God's word. It's not what they're saying. This isn't like communist China, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but in the minds of some people, it is. And I think that we really have to use discernment and go back to really historically, what does persecution and oppression look like? And that's really not what we're experiencing right now. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's one of the, one of the most challenging and one of the most awkward times to be in, to be a shepherd, like in the capacity that we serve. It's like, um, you have people who are telling you one thing and then you have a group of people who are telling you a complete opposite thing. It's like, how do you reconcile those in the face of the law? And I think this is a really good trial run for me as a leader to look at the law of the state in which I live and look at God's law in light of, you know, like, Hebrews 10 and things like you make sure you still maintain fellowship and don't, don't neglect fellowship together and stuff and looking at this and saying, okay, how do we harmonize this? Um, with, with light being at the end of the tunnel, because there, there may come a day where, you know, it might not be in my lifetime. It might be in my kid's lifetime, but how do I, how do I prepare and how do I prepare them for a day? What does that look like when a government does say you cannot meet and do this? And then there is no light at the end of the tunnel. Sure. And there, there is at the pain of like being imprisoned or whatever the case may be. Um, what does that look like? So it's, for me, it's been interesting in a way of like seeing that, um, what would I do, you know, and, and mm-hmm. would I break that law? What if, what if it was packaged as a health crisis? Would we break that law? You know, like if there was a health crisis and we didn't have a light at the end of the tunnel, for how long would we continue? You know, so it's it got me thinking sure. about it. And I don't know the answer to a lot of these questions, but it, it got me thinking a lot about it in, in terms of how do we harmonize worshiping together and in a government entity saying that we can no longer do that. 
Um, and it's, it's a really interesting thought to entertain, but. Well, and I think, you know, I think one of the ways you understand that is our first allegiance is not primarily to the United States of America or to any mm -hmm. governments of the world. Our first allegiance is to the kingdom and you can't have a kingdom unless you have a king. And so our first allegiance is to the laws of King Jesus. And mm -hmm. so, mm -hmm. you know, that goes all through this. So really, uh, I think takeaways, hopefully, as we kind of wrap things up, a um, couple takeaways. First is not everything is as black and white as sometimes it's presented to be, right? Not everything is Rocky Balboa versus Ivan Drago, good guys versus bad guys, red-blooded Americans versus those steroid-using Russians. To quote more Rocky IV references, great movie, by the way. Great soundtrack. So we can't be naive enough to believe <laughs> that there is no such thing as a seedy underbelly of Hollywood and you know, La La Land is how it really is. No, there's corruption because there are sinners and there's broken people that run Hollywood. So we need to be very careful. But at the same time, not everything is a conspiracy either. Just because we find it difficult to accept does not mean that there's some sort of a, um, a nefarious backplot worked out by our enemies to come against us. Maybe there's not a throat to choke. Maybe there's not a scapegoat and everything. Other, other takeaway, the underlying message, no matter whether it's in a movie, music, a Netflix series, a book, or even a podcast, even, even a great, amazing podcast that mentions the word beards and <laughs> is presented to you by two of the most handsome men that you will ever see in person ever before in your life. No matter how yeah. amazing, even if it's that amazing of a podcast, we should always be using discernment in everything we consume. We should always be careful. We shouldn't just uh, just accept it just because everyone else around us is taking it in. Hmm. What I, if I could interject too? I think it's important as Do it. as parents, um, we realize that we need to realize that God blessed us with children, not to make them happy, but to teach them how to be holy. Amen. And I think that we have bought a bill of goods, especially in the United States of America, that says if your kids are unhappy, that you are doing a bad job as being a parent. But I think we're teaching them a false form of happiness in that. But if we teach them how to be set apart and holy, they will attain true hope, true peace, true happiness through that. Because ultimately, being holy... It, it brings you to a place, well, let me put it this way, it prevents you from going to a place that brings depravity, that brings separation from God, that brings, you know, crushing sin. So I think, I think as we discern these different forms of media, like you're talking about, it's important that we ask the question, is this helping me in my God-given mission to teach my kids how to be holy? Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's so amazing the kind of things that we as Christians are willing to put up with mm -hmm. in media because it's like, well, this is entertaining, so I can just watch this. And it's filth. And it has a horrible, mm. horrible, horrible impact on us spiritually. <laughs> hey, wait a second. Have you ever have you ever pulled up movies from your childhood and tried to like sit your kids down and have them watch them <laughs> and be like, oh no, we're not watching this. Well, we're not gonna watch okay, this. So so not yet because my kids aren't old enough. But when I was a high school teacher, 
I would be like, oh man, we can like we'd have movie day every now and again. So I'd be like, oh man, here's here's a great movie that we can watch. And I uh I put in the Goonies. Oh which, dude, yeah. Great that movie, movie is right? that movie is filthy full of language. Like I it's try to full play. of terrible language. Yeah. And yeah. like I don't remember that because I guess I always just watched it on TV when it'd come on like TBS and stuff as a kid. And so I remember putting on the Goonies for my ninth grade class and like calling <laughs> all these curse words and I'm like, I don't remember all this. And it's so funny, like how things we just tend to forget. Oh, I guess. Uh, Stacy did that the other day with um with uh is it Rush Hour with Jackie Chan? Is that oh, am I remembering yeah. that right? And yeah, and we like we put it on for the kids. Go, I'm thinking like Jackie Chan. Like Stacy loved Jackie Chan movies, so we put it on for the kids. You understand the world's gonna come out of my mouth. <laughs> and That's it's like automatically they're dropping like tons of swear words, and we're like, how did our parents let us watch that? Yeah, it just it was really funny. But yeah, the Goonies is one that I tried, and I was like, oh nope, maybe yeah, not. not this, I don't yeah. remember all this language in this movie. Yeah, or like Top Gun, great movie, but then there's like the scene where like they flip the bird to the the Russian MIG or whatever, where they're going oh. upside down and making a lot of that, uh, a lot of Cold War era movie references here tonight. Yeah, there is, and then there's always that scene where they're playing volleyball in their jean shorts. Mm-hmm. Remember that scene? Yeah, yeah. Which that's... Made, made made you <laughs> blush a little bit. <laughs> so use a lot of discernment if you're watching the scene from Top Gun where they're playing volleyball in jean shorts. What's the song? Playing with the boys. <laughs> Great soundtrack too. Oh gosh. Uh, okay, where were we? Discernment is important. Yes. Okay, and finally, we need to wrap this up because we're both getting delirious. Um, in the here and now, our citizenship is not primarily in the United States of America or in any government that we live in, but in the here and now, we're called to respect and honor the governing authorities obey the laws of the land, but we're to first and foremost obey the laws of God whenever the laws of the land contradict the laws of God. Mm. And I think that's an important distinction to make an important thing to think through. So, Yeah, I, I would like Acts chapter 5, you know, Peter and the other apostles answered to the, the leaders of their nation, we need to obey God rather than men. Absolutely. And that's that's our heritage as a, as a movement, as you know, as believers, that's that's our heritage. But in 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 being obedient to God, we bring Him glory, and I think that's it's worth it in the long run, even if it costs our lives. It's worth it because it brings Him glory. <laughs> you just fall out of your chair. <laughs> no, I'm good. I just uh, our podcast has gone on longer tonight than it typically does, and my computer's about to die battery, so I had to plug it in. So. <laughs> Yeah, so I was really hoping that none of this would get deleted if I... So for those of you who didn't see, I wrote on a piece of paper to Gabe to keep talking while I went and got something to plug the computer. Oh, I, was, I wasn't I was even watching the screen. I was on a different time <laughs> reading. <laughs> I was reading Acts chapter 5 and I wasn't. I didn't see the note. Oh, So I stopped finished, talking. Are you finished reading Acts chapter 5 or do you need to read more? I, I did finish, yeah. I finished okay. reading it. Well, so um, the documentary is, again, called Out of Shadows. Uh, if you choose to watch it, I would, I would highly recommend it. I think it's important because it exposes a lot of things, but at the same time, I would encourage you to use discernment and watching that as well. Um, and making sure that keeping in mind, what do we do about it as Christians and believers through this? So Gabe, this is, uh, this has been a very interesting conversation, my friend. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for having it with me. Yeah, man.
Do you think that we're, uh, do you think we're going to get some interesting feedback from flat earthers? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I, I just kind of disengage from the internet world in general. I, I just, I'm out just splitting wood and eating collard doing, greens. Doing I mean, manly stuff. Yeah. Ayahuasca just collard being greens. A, just being a good, yeah, just being, being a good Alabamian, you know, and just, I'm, I'm too okay. busy it's watching, okay. I'm, I'm too busy watching the scene from Top Gun where they play volleyball to the, uh, yeah. Yeah. And watching Rocky Four. So, anyway, Gabe, it's been real. It's been fun, my friend. Yeah. yeah. Thank you guys for listening. All right. Bye now. Well, thanks for listening. That's our show. If you like what you've heard, make sure to give us a share, leave us a review, or send us an email at beardsandbiblepodcast at gmail.com.